You're listening to episode five of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about making the transition to elementary school. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey everyone, it's Jessica. Thanks for listening. Today I'm talking to my very good friend, Sydney Park Smith, and we're chatting about making the transition from a preschool or from home or wherever your child has been to elementary school. And transitioning schools is sort of on my mind this summer. I have two kids transitioning schools. I also have a son who's going from fifth grade into middle school, so elementary to middle school. And I do have a young, my youngest is starting elementary school. So that transitional time is just kind of on my mind. And I've got a series of interview planned for any of you who are making a transition or who may be about to or may have just finished a transition. So if this isn't your right episode, hopefully you'll get one that's appropriate for your age in the coming weeks. So let's cut on over to the interview. Hi, Sydney. How are you? Hi, Jess. I'm great. How are you? Good. Uh, Before uh, people get to know you a little bit more, I have a random question for you. Sure. I like to start with a little icebreaker, which is what is your favorite thing right now? It could be something your family's watching. It could be your favorite meal. It could be a toy. Like It could be anything related to boys or not related to boys. And I see you we're sitting across from each other. I'm interviewing her in person and she's scratching her chin. Like, how dare you ask me uh-huh. this? So here, I'll give you an example. I actually have two. Oh, you have a thing. Right okay. Uh, my favorite thing right now is that my husband made a mix CD for my oldest son, Rex of all the music from guardians of the galaxy. And if you know the movie, it's a lot of classic rock. And my favorite thing is dancing with my boys to cherry bomb. That's my favorite thing. And my other favorite thing is this icy glass of rosé <laughs> yeah. that Jess brought over. I did. Thank, Thank you, Jess. If I ever interview you, please, you can know that I will bring you wine. <laughs> well, I was, if you were totally stumped, I was going to tell you my favorite thing. Uh-huh. And this is so random and it has absolutely nothing to do with raising boys at all. Uh-huh. But this summer, I got a new garden. I, like, installed a new garden. Uh And I decided to go with it. I needed a hose reel because I'd been using a hose reel that we inherited from the last house we bought. Are we talking one that you wind up like a fire hose? Yes. Okay. Yes. But this this one we had was separate. It was just, like, this plastic box. Uh Uh-huh. And I'd never bought one before because they were really expensive. It was like 60 or $70. So we bought our last house in 2011 and inherited uh-huh. this hose reel. We've since moved from the house, but I brought this old busted hose reel <laughs> with me. And this year I decided I was going to buy myself a hose reel. Getting fancy. Right. And it's, it's installed on the wall. And it works so well that every time I use it, you it mean makes it's me. it's installed on the wall outside of your house? It's installed on the wall outside of my house. Stop and it's this it. big crank and it can swivel. That's exciting. It was really exciting. Because I'm constantly pulling my hose, my hose stand over outside. It has made watering things a joy, which it that never was before. Is so that is the thing delightful. that I am <laughs> And I will link to that in the show notes. <laughs> and I can also find the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. If your husband can't make one for you, you could just buy it. You are one of my very dear friends, but for people who don't know you, mm-hmm. can you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yes. So I am uh, a mom 
in close to my mid-40s of two young boys. Rex is six and Gus is four. And uh, yeah, Gus starts pre-K next year. Rex starts first grade. And my husband is in the military. He works for the Air National Guard. And I work part-time slash all of my time that I'm not at home at uh, Open Stage Theater. So this question is not on my list of questions to ask you, and it just came up based on something you said, Mm -hmm. but you did say that you are in your 40s, which means you had kids later in your life. I did indeed. Do you feel like that changes your perspective at all on like raising your boys or being a mom, or is it different if you... And I know you're obviously, you don't know the other side of it, but right. do you think that it does? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that it does to some degree. I mean, I'm a different person now than I was if I had been my mom's age. My mom was 24 when she had me, right? Jess yeah. just made a face at me like, oh God. <laughs> my mom was actually 22. So right. I and yeah. I can't even imagine that. Like, uh, I was not capable. I, I'm, I was capable of getting pregnant, but should ne- never have and didn't. Um, so I think there's like the like cranky old woman side of me that's coming out now with kids where I'm like, I don't have patience for that. And also like this very grounded, I really don't care about what other people think of uh, how I'm raising my kids or how I live my life. And I think part of that has to do with being over 40 and being, you know, good with who I am. That is probably true because the older I get, the less I care what other people think. And I had my oldest when I was 29 and I definitely cared a lot Mm -hmm. and, and also judged a whole lot when I was a super young mom. And now I've kind of dropped all of that because I I still judge. I judge everybody. No, no, we don't. No, I don't. don't No, no. Um, Mostly, mostly (laughs) no judging. (laughs) So the reason why I wanted to interview you Mm -hmm. is because you said you have a son Rex, who is six. And what I know is that Rex just finished kindergarten. Yes. So I want to talk today about transitioning your kid to kindergarten. And I feel like since you just finished that Mm -hmm. kindergarten year, I actually happen to have a kid going into kindergarten. I also taught kindergarten for seven years, which gives me a little bit of opinion on Uh it. But I just want to talk to you about how your first year went and what you could have done to make it better or what you did do to make it better and what advice would you give somebody in your position a year ago? Mm-hmm. You don't have to answer all of that all at once. So I'm going to break um, it down. Okay. So um, tell me about Rex's first year at school or your experience with Rex during his first year of kindergarten. Rex's first year of kindergarten actually was really great. Of course, I was terrified because, you know, I'm, um, I'm a control freak. Uh, <laughs> and because he had been going to the same preschool and pre-K program um, for three years. And so I think it was more scary for me to make that change than him. Uh, and I was very lucky in that he goes to a really great school. And his teacher um, was very communicative and friendly and open. And um, so that made the transition easier. Uh, Still, the fact that, you know, um, he was going to be away from me that much was weird. And also, uh, I had that, and this is, you know, this is all my feelings. Rex was like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm having a good time. I have new friends. And in my mind, I was like, should you wear elastic waist, waist pants or can he handle the snap and the Which zipper? Which is totally one of the things I want to talk pee. about at some yeah. point. Yeah. So, I mean, those are things, things like that, that freak me out. Like, you know, can he put on, of course he could put on his coat by himself, but in my freaked out brain, like what if he has trouble and no one helps him? And what if he's freezing outside in the winter? Um, 
because I can I can spiral out of control pretty quickly in my brain. Um, but as far as him being prepared academically, uh, I, w- I was lucky in where he went to preschool and pre-K, and they focus a lot on that sort of preparation. Um, so he knew his, his ABCs and his numbers and his colors and knew how to write his name. And one thing that I know about you and is that you guys held Rex back a year. We did. Right. So um, talk to me about that and why, and if you feel like that was a good decision. Cause um, I know that a lot yeah. of parents, especially of boys mm-hmm. get that advice, right? Like, Oh, your boy might not be ready. Right. So talk to me a little bit. Well, about Rex's that. birthday is September 6th. So he turned, you know, turned five basically on the first day of school and seeing where, and it was something that I talked to his um, pre-K teacher about. And it was something we had kind of talked about all year just to see where he was at during that, um, during that time in school. And he wasn't ready. Academically, he was ready. I mean, he knew all of his ABCs. He could write his name and do all of those things when he turned five. Uh, socially, he was not ready. And he did not have the independent, independence to be able to take care of himself and be able to really monitor himself um, as he did by the time he started kindergarten right before he turned six. So do you think that was a good decision yes. then? Yes. He just, uh, he was in a really great place to start school and his independence grew and his ability to socialize and be socially responsible, I guess, in the way of being aware of, you know, what he was saying to other people and how it affected them, which I think is important. Um, and, yeah, he was totally ready. He had a great year and did really well in class and was never um, afraid to go to school or any of that because his maturity was where it needed to be, I think. All right, so so it sounds like on the whole, maybe because of that, and he overall was really prepared. Is yes. there anything you feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't know or I was unprepared for? Um, I, I'm lame because my child still does not know how to tie his shoes. <laughs> Because, oh dear God, that's hard. Uh, it and is really, I, really hard. I, I have patience for a lot of things, but after you know working with a kid on trying to t- teach them how to tie their shoes for easily twenty five minutes to a half an hour, I am ready to run away. That's that's really where I'm at. <laughs> it is so really, really that really is hard. one thing that we are working on uh, right now as he goes into the first grade. Here's uh, hoping. I, well, and I have, so from having been a kindergarten teacher and I wanted to talk about this and maybe we can just talk about it a little bit now about those things where you feel like, like tying your shoes, mm-hmm. because I think that everybody knows. And I, with my kindergartner right now, I am working on letters. He's actually pretty behind on knowing letters. Uh-huh. And the, well, the, the thing that parents should know, I feel like parents should know about kindergarten is that if you look at your state's requirement they are generally pretty low. Absolutely. You can go into kindergarten really not knowing anything. My first year as a kindergarten teacher, I had a girl who came in and she didn't know her colors. Like she didn't even know the letter. Wowie zowie. Red. And I think that a good kindergarten teacher would be prepared for any of that. Like more than any other grade, you come in with kids who know and don't know all sorts of things. Well, something that I really liked, uh, and again, I don't know if they do this at every elementary school in the district. Um, but at the school where uh, Rex goes, they actually, before kindergarten started, uh, three days prior, they have all the kids in and they kind of do these general assessment tests for everybody. And it's not so they can put 
all the kids who know all of this stuff in one class. It's so that they can actually eat, um, evenly distribute kids who are at the high end of the spectrum of knowing all of these things and having all of these skills to at the other end of the spectrum where, you know, child isn't ready to leave mom and is not sure of their letters. So I thought that was really great so that they actually put them in a situation and at least Rex's teacher really put them in a situation where they actually helped each other. And it wasn't a, I know more than you thing. It was a, Hey, I know this. I'm going to help you learn this too, which was pretty great. Well, and, and so really your child can just go into kindergarten as he is, right? Uh Like it's really the teacher's job. Um, however, it makes it so much easier. It makes it so much easier. And that's, one of the things I am working my tail off on letters this summer, like we actually have letters plastered all <laughs> over our house. Like my five-year-old can't get a snack without saying K because K is on the door and V is on the microwave and I is on the television. And every That's time. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, and what's really funny is like the 11 year old will say K when he goes to get a snack, which is really Brilliant. funny. But um, so you can go in not knowing anything, but the whole, there's so much change that happens when you're going into elementary school that whatever you can take off their plate that might be hard is better. Yes. Well, and just learning that, I mean, at the first conference, you know, cause I went to kindergarten 39 years ago. <laughs> so the learning that the curriculum now is what my curriculum was in the second grade. Yeah. Like first grade, second I mean, grade. I, they, I mean, I was reading early. I was an early reader. Um, but technically, they didn't start teaching us to read, really teaching us to read until the first grade. Right. Rex left kindergarten, like, reading books. Like, he's reading chapter books, which right. is insane to me. Right. And, and well, doing and, math. And, and the other part of that is that's totally true. And some kids are just not ready. And there is some right. research that all of these kids will sort of catch up and even out as time goes on. Yes. So, so if your child doesn't know numbers and letters, that's fine, but whatever you can work on academically is helpful. And those academics would be uppercase and lowercase letter names, uh, sounds of letters, mm-hmm. um, numbers and mm-hmm. how to actually write Mm-hmm. numbers at least to 10 uh, writing numbers, probably at least to 10, but eventually you be you'll able... be tested on counting to 100 in right. kindergarten. In kindergarten yes. Yeah. And they, one of the, I think one of the checkpoints was, can your child count to 20? So it's starting out at the beginning of the year, being able to count to 20 and then, you know, it goes up to 100 and things like knowing shape names. So anything, yes. if you have time and you are trying to prep for the summers, doing some of those academics is great. But the other thing Even that I was going like to activity workbooks, right? It's yes. in there. You could get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll link to a couple that I like in the show notes. And one skill that's really big, um, is actually connect the dots because there are so many skills involved with that. It is counting and it's addition. And it's also a huge development skill which is literally connecting dots because as, as adults, we're like, that's easy. You go to the next one. That's actually some kids in their brain development at that age don't know how to do that. And you actually have to train your brain and your body on how to make those connections. And also any handwriting might be good too. Uh, just so there are specifics. Your school may or may not teach handwriting depending on where your son mm-hmm. is going to school because a lot of teachers, a lot of schools have dropped it, but there are specific ways to make letters that make making the letter easier. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking to do something this summer to prepare your child, then 
a handwriting like well what we're doing right now mm-hmm. in my house and it's because the school that my son's going to gave me the packet yes but we're doing like a sheet each well i would say each day like a, once or <laughs> twice a week <laughs> we're doing a sheet don't lie and then after we fill out that sheet that's when we post the letter somewhere in the house okay. so that's what we've been doing yeah but the other thing that i was going to talk about besides sort of the obvious like numbers mm-hmm. and letters and maybe shapes i'm sure there's a couple other obvious things that i'm missing out is skills like tying your shoes because when I taught kindergarten Mm -hmm. my kindergartners were all tested on being able to tie their shoes knowing their birthday knowing their phone number and their address yes and those are things like and it's interesting because when I first came across this especially knowing your address and and phone number I was like oh my god I'm a horrible parent my child doesn't know my phone number um uh, and I had, cause I had never even thought about that before right. or, you know, my address and it's kind of a pain in the butt I know. Oh, no. <laughs> because it is hard it to is teach your kids. They're memorizing, right? They're totally memorizing yes. and it, they're memorizing your phone number. Although I have one kid when I was in kindergarten and I have to think of the name of this tune. It was maybe Frere Jaca and, and he was singing. He sang to me his phone number. Oh, and it was smart. like do 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 that's my I number. I should actually quiz Rex again to see if he still remembers my phone number. Right. He might not. But then I started singing it. I I took that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to teach everybody that no, way. That's so smart. even coming up because with a little with a tune because uh-huh. it is totally just memorization. But it does make you think like that's your five year old should probably know your number exactly because then should be able to call me. Yeah, if you if he loses you in a store, you can say, hey, call my mom on her phone. You right. Know, here's her number. So, um, tying is tying shoes is another one of those that's really, really hard. I was, and I had one child that eventually got my own children that eventually got it the typical way. And then my second kid, I had to find like some sneaky way on the internet that was like a faster, I'm looking easier. That I'm looking that up because it's, I'll, if I find that I'll find the video that I used and I'll put that in the show notes too. And Cause I'll, I don't, I'll show it to I you. don't want to be the mom who's child still can only wear Velcro shoes when he's 13. Right. Like that's, that's where I'm living. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be that. I don't want my kid to not be able to tie a shoelace. At some point we all as parents need to teach our children how to tie shoes. Absolutely. But it seems like an insurmountable task. But it's five. incredible how many parents I've run into that still haven't done it. And their kid is like 10. Yeah. And they're like, why when there are Velcro shoes, which is crazy to me because it's actually hand-eye coordination right. and deals in brain development. There's a lot of fine motor stuff that goes in there, mm-hmm. and it is hard. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we need to teach our kids hard things. Absolutely, and they need to try and fail and keep trying. And keep trying and then feel proud of themselves. And we need to walk out of the room and take some deep breaths and walk back in. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned earlier, and we actually talked about this together another time, mm-hmm. is a little bit about clothing. And <laughs> my first disclosure, though, is like the same with the shoes. I have some my thoughts on how you should dress your kid for school or um, what your child should be able to do. Mm-hmm. But also I, this is not like dress your kid in elastic pants forever. Like that's not the advice. <laughs> just like everything. Just like elastic and stretchy. No buttons. Elastic pants and Velcro. <laughs> okay. So some of these recommendations are coming from people like I've had experience with uh-huh. two kids in kindergarten. Your child just came and I was a kindergarten teacher. Um, so some of this is not about like, Let's take the easy road, mm-hmm. but it's about during the transition time, right. right? When your child is going to a new building, learning new things in a new place, what 
things that might feel overwhelming can you take off their plate? What, so let's what's talk- going to make their transition easier? Yeah, And absolutely. I have, I actually, my five-year-old has specific requests about clothes now, which I'll talk about. <sighs> of course but you, why don't you start by talking a little bit about the clothing, like, would you, what would you put uh-huh. your son in and why for kindergarten? So, I mean, when he first started kindergarten, it was pretty easy because it's, it's still hot outside, right? So it's like mm-hmm. t-shirt, shorts. And at the time he had, you know, uh, some Keens that were Velcro. <laughs> so, um, as we were getting into the winter months, it was really great because his teacher would actually send out notices like, so it's getting chilly outside. Make sure your child knows how to put on their own sweatshirt and zip it up. Right. Uh, and she actually said that she would help kids until January and a week before, two weeks before Christmas break, she actually put out a notice that said, start working with your kids now. As of January, I will no longer be zipping coats, putting on mittens, putting on gloves, putting on boots, tying shoelaces. And um, she encouraged the kids to help each other do that. And she would make sure that they finally would get it done, but she would not do it for them anymore. Right, which sounds like, wow, you, what a heartless teacher. But that's not no. true, right? Because the the deal is you need to foster independence. And if you have one or two teachers in a classroom with maybe up to 30 kids, that's right. a lot of coats. Like, it's what's an more hour important? of getting them <laughs> Together, like, let's to forget outside. all about academics because we're right. zipping coats today. Exactly. Um, well, and the, so what I was going to say about clothing is that my five-year-old, who's going into kindergarten, refuses to wear pants with buttons. Rex had an issue with that at the beginning, too. Well, and he said, I don't like those because, and he, he actually said these exact words to me, was because they are hard for me to do up after I go to the bathroom. And I felt like, oh, okay. Of well, then I'm certainly not going to send you in pants that you can't do up because I don't want you to have to go to a teacher when everything is new and right. ask them to button your pants or like no, white and there you. are so many. Yeah, right. Because that's right? going like, to be stressful enough. Those are enough. some independent skills that kids need. Which is another huge skill that needs right. to be taught, which uh, maybe some people don't think about is that a child needs to be able to wipe their own bottom. Yes. Which is pretty huge. Wipe your own bottom and handle your own clothes. And like forget the jackets for a minute. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about like Basic being able clothing. to pull on and pull off your pants um, and then my mom said and something. And remembering to do it only in the bathroom when the door's right. closed. <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's a big thing I remind both yeah, my clothing, sons close of. Close the door and then flush. And the, the flushing also <laughs> is very important, which is forgotten a lot. Um, but the other thing my mom mentioned, and she works with special ed kids, when I was saying, oh, one of the things I want to mention on this show is clothing mm-hmm. to make sure as you're getting re- your son ready for school that they can do all of their clothes. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's like one less thing to stress about. And my mom, who works in elementary schools, and she works with special ed kids, but, um, and so she was thinking about them specifically, but I thought this was valid. She said, okay, well, uh, the stretchy pants, what happens at our school is they all pull their pants down to their knees in the bathroom. So it's about not, also your child should know to go to the bathroom and just pull down the front of their pants. And see, and you actually brought that up the other day and I've been thinking about it since, and I should ask Rex. How do you do that at school? Because I know at home, the kid will drop his pants to his knees in the hallway right. <laughs> and waddle into the bathroom, even though I consistently say, wait till you get in there, close the door right. and go to the bathroom. So I'm curious now what he does at school. I need to ask him about that. And that's maybe just, it, and actually maybe that's a great point. So if you're prepping 
your child for kindergarten and we are kind of thinking outside of the box here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you should be working on letters, but what else? And that's why the weird we're little talking. quirky things. What you are don't the think weird about. So really, what are the weird quirky things you see your kid do at home and go, hmm. Picking his nose. Right. Here's here's something fun. Uh Rex will um he doesn't think anybody can see him. And <laughs> I'm constantly like, get your finger out of your nose. That is not okay. You need to go wash your hands now. And um, the times when I volunteered in his class, I didn't see him do it. A lot of other kids were. So it made me feel better that my child wasn't the only nose picker, but also that there are other kids in class with that same issue. But that's something I had never thought about until he started kindergarten. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I don't even know how to break a kid of picking his nose. There are some adults I don't know. Like, they're still picking their nose. So what is that? I don't know. Pull up next to somebody and stop playing. So that's a lot of what would be good to be thinking about as Mm -hmm. your your child is getting ready for school. Is there anything else as we're talking that you're thinking about? Oh, yeah, this also happened this year. Yeah, so it's it's really more of the social experiment of kindergarten uh, is my child coming home with habits from other kids. Oh, like this is, a, he's, he's exposed he to a whole new world done before. He's exposed to a whole new social setting of kids whose parents allow different things than I do, or don't allow things that I do. And say some kids think it's really cute and fun to speak in a baby voice as just, just <laughs> curls her <laughs> lip and shakes her head. I um, couldn't hear my sneer. It is the, it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. And it, and I've told him repeatedly, um, I'm sure you learned that from your friends and you think it's cute and funny. I don't. And it's now after a year, he started, he started doing it like nine months ago. He's like, well, my fr- one of my friends does it and I think it's funny. Ugh. So <laughs> I have every time he does it, I'm like, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand you. You were speaking in that voice. So when you're ready to speak to me in a, in a regular voice, come talk to me. And it is ongoing. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg of the weird little, weird little quirky quirk right. quirks. Well, just wait. This is beyond transitioning your child to elementary school. But I also feel like having gone through it twice with my older kids, about third grade is when they start talking about sex and oh, words yeah. that they shouldn't know and learning all sorts of things at school that you feel like, oh, gosh, I don't, this isn't what I, I don't, I want to need to change the message here. Right. Like if we're going to start or talking they, about this, or they scrawl something in your driveway. Oh yes, <laughs> That totally happened at my house. I, <laughs> I brought out the chalk because I have like a younger kid. He's four right. years younger. So I brought out the chalk, chalk drawing and all of the neighbors were, were doing some chalks drawing. Cause I had my five-year-old out and then the 11 year old and his friends got a hold of it and they had to scrub down um, body parts that they, they, they had to hose Charming. it down that they drew, Charming. but that was totally like the influence. Right. And it, and it's peer pressure. Absolutely. So it's really encountering peer pressure the first time and what that means, um, to your kid, because I think all kids and every human being succumbs to peer pressure. And there's something different about that change though, because Rex went to preschool. My son Gabe is, went to preschool, but the, the, elementary school aspect, like going to elementary school, I think mm-hmm. it has to do with maybe the fact that you start preschool so young and you kind of grow up with these kids that the yes. peer pressure doesn't really seem to exist until you hit elementary school. Uh-huh. Because the kids are coming, because these kids start so young and um, at, a, and at an age where they're really learning the rules and how to behave. And depending on the class they're in with the teacher they have, uh, 
you know, the class's behavior will ebb and flow with that, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're thrown into a class with kids from all different preschools, all different family structures. Had they, have they been to preschool? Have they not? Um, and it's a, it's a whole different social scene. And I think also elementary school is where your child may start to revere the teacher more than they did in preschool, where they sort of are like the end all and the be all is that uh-huh. your teacher knows everything. Like heaven forbid you see your teacher like at the grocery store or something oh, yeah. and your child doesn't even know. Because that's, uh, that's bizarre. They should live at the school. I don't, it's weird. It's a weird or the thing. Principal. We saw the principal once outside and my that's kids just creepy. shut down. I didn't sure. know what to say. <laughs> okay. The only other thing that I want to talk about Mm -hmm. is maybe awareness of the school. And in general, I think this is part of the process of starting kindergarten, so learning where everything is in the school. Uh And depending on your own access to the school, you might be able to walk your child to the front door, Uh or or you might be able to walk your child to the front door of the school during the summer to show him where that is, or you might be able to walk to the front door of the classroom. Like in California, where I grew up, our classrooms were all accessible from the outside, uh-huh. but we're in Colorado right now and they're accessible from an internal hallway. Yes. So any familiarity with the school could be great. Um, absolutely. And also if you are doing the drop-off lane in a car, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. Your child should know how to undo their own seatbelt, open their own door, get out and close the door behind them. That That is huge. My husband mostly does drop-offs, and there are times where I think he... I've seen Rob's posts. His, <laughs> he writes so many posts on social media about the carpool lane mm-hmm. and carpool lane behavior. Like, if you, if you cannot handle saying goodbye to your child with, like, a I love you and letting them go, then you cannot go in the carpool lane. The carpool lane is a drop and go. It is not time for you to get out of the car, walk around, help. Your child put their coat on once they get out of the car, make sure their stuff is in their backpack. Here's, Here's a big lesson to anyone who doesn't know this. You do that at home. Yeah. So by the time you're in the car and you you are getting ready to drop them off, and this is a serious, it's a big skill. Um, being able being able to buckle their own seatbelt is a skill they should just learn early on. And that was not even on my list no. of things that we should recommend, but you, totally. And be and you know you of course need to check it. I mean, kids that are in booster seats, they need to be checked to make sure the seatbelt's in the right place. But they should be able to buckle their own seatbelt and unbuckle it and open the car door and get out. And if they can't. That's okay. But if your school has a carpool line and your child cannot do that independently, you may need to park Uh because it's not fair to the entire rest of the school or people with third and fifth graders who are waiting for you and your child. That's a huge point. Um, And the other thing that I was going to say just about school familiarity was, you know, playing at the playground during the summer. You could, Mm -hmm. you could go take your child there. And and the other thing that I was thinking about was lunch. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are, if your child's going to buy lunch, talking through the lunch procedures would be great. But if your child is and bringing that will be a lunch first for me ne- next year, oh, buying lunch because Rex did uh, did half day kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do full day, so next year will be the first time that he has a full day at school. <laughs> and lunch, and here's something: lunch is a scary thing for me. Rex is a pretty picky eater. For lunch, he usually eats peanut butter and jelly. If you're not aware, peanut butter in school at this point in our time is not a good thing. There are so many kids that have serious, serious allergies to peanut butter. And yes, there's a part of the cafeteria where kids with peanut butter can sit and eat. 
I would like my child not to be relegated to a certain area. Yeah. So um, trying to get him to eat different things right now so that he can have a healthy lunch when he goes to school. And I'm not worried about if he's actually eating or going through the whole day hungry because... I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have to let that go. I, so hard absolutely for me. Absolutely no so hard for me. I know. But what I was going to say is that at some point before they are eating lunch at school, you need to make sure that they can open and close any containers that you might send, including something like a, a juice box. Like There are juice boxes that are harder to open. The Capri Suns are terrible. Looking at you, Capri Sun. That is a challenge <laughs> for even an adult to open without I've spilling. I've poked so many like, holes in that. And things like Go-Gurt, while convenient and portable to put yogurt in, in a lunchroom situation where your child has to open Go-Gurt and it goes everywhere, Everyone. or it might go on their clothes and that's embarrassing. So um, kind of doing a run through of lunch and making mm-hmm. sure they can open, like packing it, how you're going to pack it and make sure they can open. No, oh, that's all. a really good idea. Of those. Yes. And I have a favorite lunchbox, which is super easy to open. Mm-hmm. Which I actually want to ask you about that Right, lunchbox. and I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, because it's been... I actually... It's a little bit pricey. It's called the Planet Box. Um, and they... It's a, it's an investment, but I bought one for my oldest when he went to kindergarten. He's entering in sixth grade. And he still uses it. And he still uses it. That's brilliant. it's so sturdy. So I feel like it's totally worth the investment. And I mean, when we're dealing easy. with so many wastes of the world's resources, let's get right. one lunchbox. Instead of like one $15 one every year. Yes. For the rest exactly. of your life. That sits in a landfill. There's your public service message. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is transitioning your child to kindergarten. Yes. And I think that some of that is valid even as they go. Like, you know, if your child doesn't know how to tie their shoes in kindergarten, then move that to first grade and keep working on that. We're working on that this summer. Is there anything else that we've missed? Do you have anything else to say about your experience having a child in kindergarten? It was a lot, it was a lot easier than I anticipated it was going to be. Um, because he is my first child. Uh, I was just, I, the first day of kindergarten, I looked at him and I was like, Oh, I'm so, and I had tears in my eyes. I was like, okay, Rex, I'm going to go. And he's like, bye mama. Oh yeah. He was fine. He was fine. There was never a day of him freaking out. He loved school. Um, and you know, again, very lucky with the, the teacher he had and, um, her para, like they're incredible. But I think that's a good way to end it because, Mm -hmm ultimately your child's going to be absolutely fine. You can do none of the things that we talked about today Mm -hmm. and your child will still be fine. But if you can take a few things from what you may have heard to work on, to maybe make his life a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. then that will probably pay off for your child down the line. Absolutely. Well, thank you for talking with me. Anytime, Jess. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Look for more transitioning episodes to come this summer. You can find the show notes for today's episode at www.boysbuiltbetter.com. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and pretty, pretty, please leave a review so that we can get some reviews loaded on these podcast players and help more people find Boys Built Better. See you next time.